1: Hi, hey friends. Welcome to the middle of December. Uh, welcome to the happy hour. I'm your host, Jamie. And today's show is actually one I have hoped to record for many, many years. Today on the show is Kent Whitaker. And Kent and his former wife, Trisha went to church with us. We lived in Sugarland, Texas years and years and years ago. In fact, Aaron was the youth pastor there. And one of Kent's sons was in the student ministry with Aaron. Well, Kent uh, endured a very tragic event on December 10th in 2003, where him and his family came home and there was an intruder in their house. And all four of them were shot. And his wife and one of his sons died on the scene that night. And so Kent sits down and he tells that story, obviously, in more depth. Uh, but I wanted to let you know, if you've got little ears in the car, that this might be a hard conversation for them to hear. But more importantly, what we talk about today a lot is forgiveness. And how did Kent walk through that journey of forgiving the person who had done this to his family? He lost two family members that night. Kent struggled with, God, where are you in this? Why is this happening? And so it's a really great conversation uh, just to hear his heart about how God pushed him towards forgiveness and how he leaned into that. Kent is now remarried to his wife, Tanya, and they spend a lot of their time talking about forgiveness and really sharing parts of their story. And I hope that as we even lean into this Christmas season, you know, what are we like a week and a half away from Christmas and what do we celebrate Christmas for? We celebrate because it's the birth of the Messiah, like God came to us. Jesus showed up on earth, he put on flesh, and he came and he he lived a life that we could never live and he died a death that we deserve. And so we celebrate the coming of the Messiah to save us from our sins and forgive us so that we could be reunited with him. And so even as we listen to Kent's story today about how he chose forgiveness, and there's so much more to the story that I didn't even prep you for, but as we listen to his story about choosing forgiveness, I hope that it pushes us um, closer to God and being even more grateful for the way that God has extended forgiveness towards us and our shortcomings and and our failures in the way that we choose our flesh over him time and time again. So I'm grateful that Kent was willing to sit down and have this conversation with me. And I just am grateful that you get to hear it. And I hope that it pushes you to love God more today as you listen. All right, here's my conversation with Kent Whitaker. Kent, welcome to the happy hour.
0: Hey, thank you, Jamie. I'm looking forward to this.
1: <laughs> well, I'm so happy to have you here, and this is a, a podcast conversation that has been in the making for a long time. And I'll tell you why, yes, Kent. It has. All the time, I get your newsletters and your information, and every single time, Aaron and I read it and we reminisce and we think, like, oh my gosh, it would be so great to to sit down and have lunch. And then I'm like, I've got to have Kent on the Happy Hour, and so I just <laughs> want to tell you, I'm really glad this is happening.
0: Well, this is something I've looked forward to for a long time as well. Uh, we go back, like I said, a long time, back to when uh, Aaron was fronting uh, Spur 58, the rock band, yes. uh, Christian band, and uh, yes. how Aaron became friends with my son, Kevin. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I've, I followed you guys from, from a distance for, for a long time. And I just want to say how grateful I am for the um, witness that you all provide from your, your family and the way you live your life and it doesn't surprise me at all the way the happy hour has taken off because people want to hear the uh the story that you guys are living and mm. um so i'm i'm tickled i'm glad to be here and i hope uh hope your tribe will will uh Give me some grace here.
1: My tribe is going to love you. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) And you're right. Okay. So we go back a long time. In fact, um, we were at the same church together. And my husband, Aaron, like you said, was in a Mm -hmm. band and student ministry and um, a friend, leader, mentor to uh, one of your kids. And... We had moved yes, away when tragedy struck your family. And we I remember, I remember we were in outside of Nashville when we got the news about what in what your family walked through. And so, Kent, I want to talk to you today a lot about forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is this um, it's this very Christian word. It's like, okay, so we need to forgive, you know, and there's all kinds of phrases like forgive and forget, or you know, forgive as you would mm-hmm. want those to forgive, all the things. But then there are times in life where the rubber meets the road and that forgiveness becomes this reality that is not just words that we say, but it's actually a life that we live. And I've watched you from afar do that and talk about it and inspire others. So before we get to forgiveness, I want to set the stage. So let's, let, let's set the stage for the listeners about what happened um, to your family in December of 2003. If you could set the stage for us, that would be helpful. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's, that was the beginning of my, uh, my, uh, journey of forgiveness. And it started, uh, on December 10th of 2003, like you say, when, uh, my wife, Tricia called to say that our older son, Bart, had finished his finals and wanted to go out and celebrate his upcoming college graduation. So we went out and had a, had a great dinner. And when we came back, our younger son, Kevin, who was a sophomore in college, uh, stepped up to the front door and walked inside. And there was a loud noise. And Trisha, who was right behind him, said, oh, no. And another loud noise. Now, Jamie, you know, I'm from Texas and I I grew up with guns. uh, I own several. But honestly, I did not recognize those sounds. Mm. The idea that there might be an assassin in my own house, it just uh, didn't make any sense. So I stepped up to look inside to see what was going on. Mm -hmm. And there was a man standing there, I don't know, five or six feet away, really close, with a ski mask on. And you would think I would snap at that point, but it still didn't make any sense. And Mm -hmm. I wondered, which one of Kevin's goofball friends is playing a trick on us with the paintball gun or something? And, Mm -hmm. well, the next moment I got hit hard in the chest right here, and I fell back on the front porch. And I couldn't get up, mm. and that was when I realized that those sounds had been gunshots, and there had been three of them, one for each of us. And before I could call out to Warren Bart, there was a fourth shot, and I, I he shot all of us. You know, why? Mm. Um, and I, you know, as large as your your listening group is, I know that there's got to be some people out there that have experienced. Uh, thinking that they were about to die. And mm-hmm. it surprised me. Uh, I mean, oh, wow, here it is. And, but I was I was totally at peace. And I told God, mm. if this was my time, I was ready, but to please protect my family. Mm. And I called out to each one of them, but got no response except for some uh, quiet, wet coughs coming from Tricia. Mm. And I, I'd never heard those kind of coughs before. But I instinctively knew that they were the sound of someone trying to clear their lungs from filling with blood. So I don't know how far along, you, how far you want mm. me to take the story because, uh,
1: well, yeah, I keep going because I can't even imagine what you must have been feeling and thinking, not being able to move, knowing there were four shots. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then how do you even get up to take care of your family?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't. And so, uh, I called out and like I said, I couldn't, nobody responded. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, about that point, the police started arriving. Um, Neighbors had heard the gunshots and called. And then uh, three paramedics were working on me, trying to keep me alive. But nobody would tell me anything about my family until Mm -hmm. I overheard a couple of policemen as they were rushing inside the house. Uh, One of them said, hey, what do you want to do about the DOA?" which mm. is dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned that at least one, and I didn't know, maybe maybe by now all of my family was dead. Mm. So um, I started shaking, and I realized I was going into shock. Mm. Well, Trish and I were taken by two lifelight helicopters to Houston's medical center. And Bart um, arrived there a few minutes later by ambulance because he'd been shot supposedly wrestling with the shooter. Mm -hmm. Later, I learned that they had stopped working on Tricia about um, halfway through the flight and Mm -hmm. Kevin had died almost instantly right inside Mm -hmm. my front door. Well, later that night, when I was finally alone in my hospital room and I was uh, struggling with my faith for all of this, because, I mean, my emotions were all over the place. Uh, But they always came back to this desire for revenge. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to hurt this person who had Mm -hmm. murdered my wife and son. Mm -hmm. And I was actually I was very mad at God, too, not just for letting this happen, but mainly because I thought he was lying to me because there's a a verse in the Bible that uh, had been a real comfort to me in the past. And I'd used it many times in helping other people, but I couldn't apply it myself that night I it just wouldn't I just couldn't do it and that's uh, Romans 8:28 and that verse says that and we know that God takes all things and works them for good for those who love him and are called to his mm-hmm. service and I thought is that even possible here yeah yeah no that was a lie because there's no way that God could take the murders of my wife and son and worked mm-hmm. them for good, but mm. but it was in the Bible. So what was I going to do? You know, that, mm. was, that was the hard thing.
1: Kent, I have a question for you as I'm listening to you tell this story. Uh-huh. And, you know, you you get to the hospital, and at this point that you're wrestling with this, you are aware that Trisha and Kevin have both passed away. Yeah. And I'm assuming that um, you are aware that Bart is on his way to the hospital as well. So
0: Yeah, he had already arrived. Uh, he'd he had already he'd arrived. Okay. Too. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so you're in the, in the room and you're wrestling, and I think that that wrestling is something that we can all relate to, although maybe a small percentage of us have wrestled with that after parts of our family have been murdered in their own home right before our eyes. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you about that wrestling. As you were mm-hmm. in that hospital room and you're wrestling, and, and you've been a follower of Jesus for a really long time. What kept you like clinging to him in that moment? Like you're, you're having these moments of like, God, I've, to, I've clung to this verse for so long and now I don't yeah. get it. What, yeah. what was the conversation you were having with God in that room?
0: Well, it, I, was, I was thinking, if this isn't true, you know, if, if I can't rely on Romans eight twenty eight to be true, I'm just wondering what else was I believing that would turn out to mm. be a lie just when I needed it. Mm -hmm. And so I I realized pretty quickly that my choice was going to be to either somehow or another trust him in this or throw the whole Bible out because Mm how do you know where to start cutting? Right. And I I knew that I needed God now more than I ever had in my entire Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I I basically kind of said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you to take these murders and work them for good somehow, Mm. some way. But see, that's what faith is.
1: That is what faith is. You're right. Yeah. You said in that room, you said that you were also wrestling with revenge. Yes. I think that that is a very common thing, Kent, as you're laying in that room knowing Mm -hmm. I just witnessed a man with a ski mask. Point a gun at every single one of people in my family, all four of us, and two of them did not come out of my house. What what were you thinking? What did revenge look like for you?
0: Honestly, what I wanted to do was to just hurt him over and over Mm -hmm. again. Uh, Wait till he recovered enough to feel, and then start hurting me. I mean, it was the most horrible uh, Mm -hmm. vision of of what Kent would look like that I can imagine. I was, I was. I, I didn't know why he had done this, but I knew that the rest of my life was changed forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but I think that's you. You're right. This is a very. I mean, this is the common thing because forgiveness goes completely against uh, our our natural feelings, our our natural yeah. man, because that says you turn around and hurt them back. You don't yeah. f- forget them. You don't forgive right. them. and uh, yeah so that's one of the reasons why forgiveness is so hard because it's just so unnatural
1: it doesn't make sense you know no, it doesn't I want to fill in I want to fill in a couple of holes for the listeners um in case they miss this the mm-hmm. person who pulled the trigger who murdered uh two of your family members at this point do you know about him is he alive do you know have they got him what what is what do you know right now as you're wrestling with these thoughts of revenge?
0: What I know is that Uh, there were four shots. I landed on the front porch, uh, and within three minutes, the police were there and they secured the house in probably a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, so I knew that the, the shooter wasn't there. Uh, -hmm. I didn't know who it was. Uh, I just knew they were, they were gone. Mm Mm-hmm
1: hmm Now you have this moment, not only are you wrestling through Romans 8, 28, but you're also wrestling with forgiveness and, and you had something feels a little supernatural to me, especially the conversation we mm-hmm. just had about how forgiveness is so against our human nature. Our human nature does yeah. lean towards revenge. That's what we, that's the flesh inside of us uh-huh. that we want. Tell us about your moment when you said, when you chose forgiveness.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, it was as it it came as a result of me making a decision to trust that he would somehow i didn't know how mm-hmm. uh, uh be able to apply romans 828 to my situation and that decision changed my life's trajectory mm-hmm. forever it's why i'm here today it's why i'm married today um it's it t- totally changed everything because the moment that i i Trusted him in the romans eight twenty eight thing the first of very two very strange things, like you said there's kind of spooky supernatural happened uh and the first one was that he placed a specific word for word sentence in my mind. now, this had happened to me once before, but you know normally when i speak to God or hear hear him it's when i'm praying and there'll be a, a a quiet whisper in the back of my mind or something or maybe i'll be reading the bible and a verse will just kind of jump off of the page at me but this was a word for word sentence and the sentence was good now what about the shooter mm. which was such a weird question but reading between the lines i realized what he was doing I think, was encouraging me for trusting him in the Romans eight twenty eight thing and saying, Are you going to trust me in the really hard things? Things mm-hmm. like, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I realized where he was going with this. He was asking me to forgive this person, and I knew I couldn't do it. But it was also so clear to me that that was what he was wanting me to do, and you talk about between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to I wanted to uh, be faithful to what God tells me to do, but this was I knew I couldn't do this, and mm-hmm. so I said, Father, if you truly want me to forgive this person, I'm going to ask you to help me because you know me, you built me. This is beyond my design specs, but I'm going to ask you to forgive them. And if you want me to, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to do the heavy lifting. And the instant that I settled that in my mind, the second thing happened. And it was so bizarre. uh, I, I certainly cannot explain how that happened. But immediately, I felt what I can only describe as a warm, Golden glow flow from head to foot, and when it left, it took all of the anger and the hatred and the desire for revenge with it, and Mm. in its place was a complete and total forgiveness for everyone involved, and that terrified me. I had no idea what was going on. I'd never heard of anything like that. I'd certainly never experienced it, and yet when I really paused and took a look at it i realized this was real this actually happened now why he chose to give me that miracle instant forgiveness i had no idea Mm. but then again jamie i didn't know why i was still alive because i honestly should have died that night
1: You know, I think it's not ironic that God's reminding you about this forgiveness and asking you to do it. And you in honest, like human, trusting God form, say, okay, I will, but I'm gonna make you do the heavy lifting on this God. I need you to do this for mm-hmm. me. And then he did that for you in the next instant and and gave you that yes. ability. Now, Kent, that sounds great, and this is amazing, and that is wonderful. <laughs> but you had no idea what the next year and a half, two years, next, next, next seven months, whatever would hold for you. Talk to us about what those next, um, what, what did life bring you when you exited the hospital already making this declaration that you were going to forgive and not have revenge? Well, God,
0: God, I think has perfect timing in things. And Well, I didn't understand why he was doing this, why he chose to do this miracle instant forgiveness thing. It was necessary for him to do that because of what was going to happen in the next seven or eight hours. Because Mm. when I woke up the next morning, I found out that the police had found out that Bart was not about to graduate from college. In fact, he wasn't even in school that semester and he had become their number one suspect for having arranged the murders. Now, they Mm -hmm. thought it was to cover up for failures in school. Now, we know that he had a a serious mental illness, but nobody knew that back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, back then, I didn't believe he was involved at all. Mm -hmm. But I I did know that his faith was not as strong as Trish's or Kevin's or mine. And If he was going to be the focus of an investigation that might actually lead to a trial one day, I knew that he needed someone in his corner, someone that he could trust to walk through it with him. And if by chance he was involved in some way, what I knew was that he needed someone who could display God's unconditional love and forgiveness that God has for all of us, even murderers. So uh, I realized that the only way I would ever be able to display that kind of unconditional love would be um, to have that miracle forgiveness happen before I ever found out that it might involve my own son. And it made me think about the uh, parable that Jesus told in Luke 15 about about the prodigal son. And. In that story, uh, there was a young man who demanded his inheritance early and he ran off for a life of wine, women, and song and soon blew through all of his money. But his dad, who still loved him, even though he, see, he sees all the folly here, he's been praying that the kid will come back to his senses and return home. And when he does, the dad rushes out and, and hugs him and welcomes him back into the family. And the important thing to note is that the father in this story stands for how God, our father, loves us unconditionally and forgives us when we return to him. And I realized that if I was ever going to be able to display that kind of love, I had to have the forgiveness issue and the uh, anger issue. And all the negative thoughts that went with knowing that your son might have been responsible for the murder of his brother and mother Mm -hmm. that had to be out of the way because there was no way I could, I could fake it.
1: Uh, That is supernatural, Kent. It really is.
0: Absolutely. Without question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know um, this is a hole that I actually think I don't know in this story is when you woke up, that next day you were informed by the police that they, that your son was a part of, they were investigating him.
0: Yes, it was the next day. Uh, they, was this public uh, knowledge or
1: just given to you?
0: No, just me. Um, okay. That morning uh, they visited me and questioned me some more and they left and they came back a couple of hours later. And that's when they told me that they'd contacted uh, Bart's school and they found mm-hmm. out that he wasn't enrolled. And mm-hmm. they never said, you know, he's our suspect. But it was real clear to me that that's mm-hmm. what was happening. Um, and for the next seven months, they did not they did not arrest him. They did not charge him. They did not tell him that he couldn't leave town. Um, but they tried to get me to abandon him by... Telling me that he, I was in danger, and he was he was responsible. And I said, "Well, oh, that's fine, but you're going to have to give me some uh, some reason to accept your story. Uh, but otherwise, I'm not going to abandon my son just because mm-hmm. you need to find someone to blame this on. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if I see anything, I will. I'm a law and order guy, and if I see something, I will let you know. But until Tell you I have some reason to believe that this is true. I am I am not gonna abandon my son.
1: Did you wonder if it was true? I mean, did you did you uh, in those seven months, I mean you had chosen to forgive yes. for sure, but there's no indictment uh, in these seven months, you know. There's no. no
0: it was very quickly, very soon, within a few days, um that maybe even less than that. Uh Jamie, it, it's kinda all jumbled up. But it didn't take long for me to realize that there was a good chance that mm. I didn't know how the involvement would be or what the involvement was but there was a good chance that he was involved and that he had been he was lying continuing to lie to me about being not you know being innocent of the of the charges but again I'm his dad and mm-hmm. I you just like I said in the in the parable I see all the folly but I still love my son Mm -hmm. and I want him. Even though his faith is not as strong as it should be. I want him to know that there's a God in heaven who forgives Mm -hmm. everything. He's hanging there on the cross about, Mm -hmm. about to leave this earthly world. And a guy on his left uh, says, Hey, to the other guy who's on his Mm -hmm. right said, Hey, We belong here. He hasn't done anything. He's innocent. And Jesus looked at him, a murderer probably, because he was being executed, Mm -hmm. uh, said, hey, today, because of your faith, you're going to be with me in paradise. So Mm -hmm. God forgives us if we truly repent. And I wanted Bart to have an opportunity to repent if he was involved.
1: hmm so this next seven months, you and Bart are living together in your house and you've told the authorities, mm-hmm. listen, I'm here. I'm not abandoning my son. If I see something, I'll let you know. Um, mm-hmm. Still maybe thinking there's probably something, but you nothing has been said. And then what happens at seven month mark?
0: Okay. Uh, the police were starting to close in. And um, one night, Bart went downstairs out of the house, and out of my life. I didn't know mm-hmm. where he'd gone. Now, later I learned he'd run off to Mexico. And 15 months after uh, after he disappeared, he was arrested and brought back to Texas to face trial. And here's a, here's a, here's something that's, that does bother me. Um, for a year and a half, all of my family, all of Trisha's family, and I, every victim in this crime truly pleaded with the district attorney to accept two back-to-back 40-year life in prison sentences in return for Bart's guilty plea so that we could avoid a trial. Mm. They wouldn't accept that and they wouldn't back away from pursuing the death penalty. And so he was eventually convicted and sentenced to death. And that's when, I mean, if If you thought my life had fallen apart that mm-hmm. that is really when everything just uh my life was a bag of broken glass, Jamie, I was all alone,
1: yeah, now you're looking at the fact that you will that that is all alone. You and I both live in Texas, mm-hmm. and the criminal justice system here is is not shy about what just happened mm-hmm. to your son and mm-hmm. you know, I think I read somewhere you can tell me if i if I'm if I got this wrong, that the shooter actually uh, was given a way less sentence than Bart was as the conspirator to this crime. Am I right about that?
0: Yes. Yeah. He yeah. was uh, allowed to plead to one count of murder, not capital murder, but mm-hmm. but first degree murder and was given a 30 year sentence, which means he'll, he'll probably serve 15 years, which means that he'll be out soon. And mm-hmm. that's fine with me i told the uh the young man who drove the getaway car so there was 3 of them involved in this uh i told both him and the shooter that i was i was so sorry for their bad choices but that their their choices were theirs and that they were going to have to pay the penalty for their choices but at the same time i wanted both of them to have an opportunity to live a life where they could make a difference, uh, a positive difference. And the driver is out, uh, has been out for a couple, three years now. And uh, I have not talked to him, but I have talked to the guy that he works for. And uh, I gave my blessing to him. Mm. And uh, he's told me about how great the kid is doing. and. I know that the shooter through uh, Kairos ministry, which is a Christian ministry of, inside the prison systems. Uh, I know from that that the shooter has has given his life to Christ and is totally on fire and is a, a totally changed young man. Mm. And mm. so whether whether he gets out in 30 years or 15 years or 20 years or whatever it is, I want him to be able to spend what's left of his life in a way that redeems as much of it as possible. Mm-hmm. And, Do you um,
1: see uh Romans eight twenty eight on any of their lives? I don't have enough
0: information about their life to know, but the fact that what I have heard tells me that yes, there is definitely a uh God has taken what was a horrible thing that night and has uh perhaps even pulled two lives from a uh, eternity away from God to one where they will be in heaven with Kevin and Tricia and me and hopefully Bart, uh, mm-hmm. where we are all side by side uh, singing praises to the Lord. And that's what I hope. I hope that they spend eternity there.
1: Isn't it crazy that... Um... That got me a little choked up. It's just crazy that um that we serve a God who oh, can gosh. unite yes. so many people with different backgrounds. And um it's just crazy to think that um that his forgiveness towards us is not just for us who have been quote unquote better here and not done any mm-hmm. of the quote unquote big sins, Um, but we serve a God, you know, I we talk about forgiveness a lot, and you had that supernatural moment there in the hospital, and it's changed mm-hmm. your life um, in ways you could have never imagined, not only with your own son, but also with the two young men that you said were the shooter and the getaway driver. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that this is something that you will probably spend the rest of your life talking about forgiveness. And you know mm-hmm. what I'm hearing from you is that forgiveness is not the same as like forgetting. And I think a lot of people oh, would gosh. say- Yeah. (laughs) You you live this every day of your life. I think a lot of people would say, you know, I don't know that I could ever forgive. Like, I I guess I would just love for you to talk to the listener of, of what does forgiveness mean? And what does it not mean? Like, what are the things that it is and is not?
0: Honestly, that is the most important part of the talk. Once you get, once you understand that there is a God that will forgive you for whatever it is you've done, then being able to forgive someone who's hurt you is the next most important part of the mm. talk I think and i so what I want to do is I want to go give a give you a couple of uh, tools that you can use that will work every time for forgiveness and then I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about some things that uh, confuse us about forgiveness which is our huge impediments for being able to forgive someone mm. the very best way to Begin the forgiveness process is to write yourself a long note. I want you to list everything that they have taken from you in detail. And when you can't think of anything else, you get down to the bottom of that and you say, and I choose to forgive you for all of them, whether you can do this yes or yet or not, and you probably can't, but write that out and sign it. Mm. And here's why this works. Most of the time when somebody hurts us really badly, we uh, we can't take it all in at once because it's too painful. And besides that, there's usually some collateral damage that comes along a little bit later that we don't realize right away. So that letter may take you a week, maybe longer to complete. But it's important that you do complete it because mm. we can't forgive something until we acknowledge that the loss exists. Mm. I used to have a uh, have a friend, and she claimed to have forgiven her dad for some really awful things as a child, and yet she was still trapped in her brokenness because there were some some consequences of his actions that she just cannot get her head around. And it's hard writing that letter out, but it's it's necessary. Otherwise. Mm. We don't ever, that's, that's what brings us to the full realization of our, of our loss. And that's mm. what's important um, yeah. to, um, that's what's important. You have to recognize uh, that the loss exists. Yeah. Now you don't have to mail a letter. Nobody else has to ever see it. Right. It's for you. Uh. But it is important that you sign it because that mm. makes it a promise to yourself to do that.
1: You know, after writing that letter and working through forgiveness, what else would you say to someone?
0: Well, there's another tool that you can use. that's really very effective. Um, it's when you know where you, God wants you to be, but you can't get there yet. So you pray to ask him, you ask him to help you get there. Uh, my wife, Tanya, likes to call this praying backwards. It's where mm. you you go to where you know God wants you to be, but you can't get to yet. And you ask him to go into your heart and change you from the inside so that you want to forgive. You might pray something like this for 30 days or 60 days or whatever. God, I know you want me to forgive this guy, but I can't do it yet. Change me from the inside so that I want to want to forgive. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a prayer that God is Mm -hmm. always going to answer because that's his goal for us. He wants us to Mm -hmm. forgive. Yeah. But again, like I said, there are there are some misunderstandings about forgiveness that I think really get in the way of people forgiving, mm-hmm. yeah. and the first one is the forgive and forget thing, because uh, that just that's just not that's just not true. Uh, yeah. We only forget things that are uh, trivial, and if if you are abused as a child, that's not trivial. In fact, there's some things that are so big that I think that if we could forget them, it'd really be a case of denial and not forgiveness at all, mm. like my friend and her dad. See, some people don't want to forgive because they think it means that they have to forget what the mm-hmm. other person did. And that's just that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you need to remember so that you can build healthy boundaries to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So that you don't get hurt again. Yeah. That's the first one. There's there's five. Uh and that's the first one.
1: Sometimes um, also I wonder if you have on there, Kent, that people think forgiveness means that the person didn't do anything wrong and that you're okay with what happened. Not only just forgetting, num- but you're like, that's that number two?
0: Yeah, that's number three.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> but okay. we can we can
0: go well, we can go directly to number three. Number <laughs> number three says. Forgiveness does not mean that the other person is off the hook for what they've done. Mm. It doesn't justify what they did. Uh, and it certainly doesn't cancel the, the uh, consequences of what mm-hmm. they did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like to say that if someone, if you say your best friend or your business partner steals from you, I say that you forgive them. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay best friends with them or mm-hmm. even stay in business with them. Maybe it's time to call the police or an attorney and fight to get back what they stole from you. It just means that you don't, um, you don't resolve the problem yourself. You let God take care of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that is probably one of the things that. Um, can be the hardest for people as well. And I know you have some some other things as well, is that forgiveness isn't just, it's not gonna directly heal you right away. You're gonna have to work on that as right. well. And it's something that we need God's help for. And I think you exhibited that so beautifully earlier in your story when you said, God, I'm going mm-hmm. to need you to help me do this. Mm-hmm. And you had yeah. no idea what was in front of you.
0: Well, I don't think we can forgive. It's not a do-it-yourself project. Mm. Uh, I think I think one reason forgiveness is so hard it's because it's the most it may be the most godlike thing that we ever do. Mm. I can't think of anything that's more godlike than forgiving someone who who forgiving who December 10th, for example mm, yeah
1: forgiving december tenth uh, yeah and
0: and we need God's help and his strength to do it.
1: How did you know that your forgiveness was real towards not only just your son but also the shooter and the getaway driver
0: the um The proof was that that night uh when i realized that uh, uh all traces of anger and, and revenge and hatred were gone but in the real world where <laughs> we mm-hmm. don't have this this miracle thing the the way you can tell that you've truly forgiven someone is if you can put, honestly pray a blessing over them mm-hmm. that's when it, that's when you know that uh you know um, paul says you know uh, bless them do not curse them you know and if you have reached the point where you can pray their best life for that person then uh then you know that forgiveness is real and i you know i hadn't thought about it but uh, i guess that it, it describes uh my reaction to the two other men two other kids mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. really want the best life for them
1: You know, Kent, this the story of your this forgiveness and your journey. It, it it it's not over. You're still on this journey. Your son Bart is still incarcerated, mm-hmm. and and you still go yeah. visit him. But I want to real quick before we finish up this conversation to kind of bring this, the story full circle for the listener, so we don't leave yes. him hanging. Your son was um, given the death penalty and yes. actually had an execution date for February of 2018, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. he wasn't executed. He's still alive and yep. incarcerated here in the state of Texas. Can you talk to me mm-hmm. about what happened in February of 2018?
0: Yes. Uh, the The thing about Romans 8:28 is, you know, it says that God will take all things and work them for good. Well, he works them for good Within his big plan, he works it for good for other individuals, but he also works it for good for those that, uh, for me, individuals. And he chose, he did that uh, with Bart. The thing about trusting Romans 8.28 is that God does take, uh, take our losses and work them for good within his huge plan but he also works it for good for other people, but he works it directly for good for us. And he has done that in so many ways. And one of them involves Bart's commutation because uh, the Texas Pardons and Parole Board looked at the 11 years of positive things, many positive things that uh, Bart had accomplished while he was on death row and came to the conclusion came to the unanimous conclusion that a recommendation for a commutation to life in prison was the proper uh, sentence here, and unless you live in Texas, I don't think you can truly appreciate what that means mm-hmm. because the parole board has never ever voted unanimously mm-hmm. to recommend a commutation of the death penalty. Mm-hmm. In fact, it had been ten years. Since the, previous, uh, since the previous commutation of a death penalty. Mm-hmm. It had been 10 years. And then they voted unanimously mm. to recommend it. So uh, it, it was a huge miracle. And um, our governor eventually chose to follow their recommendation. And so he uh, now has uh, life in prison instead of execution. And that has given us more time For him, if he doesn't already have a relationship with Christ to reach it.
1: Hmm. You know, Ken, I remember that day in February because Aaron and I were gathered in our kitchen watching Twitter, updating it ferociously as it was Mm -hmm. going by. (laughs) I think we might have even sent in messages to the governor. And I just remember imagining Uh, you because what people don't understand is this happened mere like this happened minutes before. BART was supposed to be executed. Yeah. And so you had time with him. Yeah. And you went through an entire goodbye.
0: That was so hard, Jamie. You yeah. can't imagine. Um, there was a two-day period when the uh, parole board recommended the commutation unanimously. It was mm-hmm. That was two days before the 6 p.m. execution. Mm-hmm. And we kept expecting to hear from the governor that he was commuting because how are you going to i mean he he appointed these guys all yeah. all seven of them and mm. uh how can you appoint a parole board and then they vote unanimously on something uh-huh. and ignore it so we figured he had to had to uh, to uh c- commute but it yeah. didn't happen and we got fo- closer and closer and the day of the execution we had our goodbyes uh mm. we had our last visit uh through the glass And um, Tanya and I were there, and she loves him dearly. She loves him so much. And um, we said goodbye. And we left, uh, and it was five hours before the execution date. And uh, we met in Huntsville where the execution would would take place. And um, 30 minutes before he was to die, They'd already put the uh, i v in his arm. he was already strapped down to the gurney, and thirty minutes before six o'clock, our attorney got a call from the governor saying that he had commuted the sentence so it was it was a close thing.
1: I can't even imagine I think I read somewhere um Kent that your hope is that um that one day you'll get to hug your son again, and have you hugged yeah. him since? When was the last time?
0: The last opportunity I had to touch him was the night that I was on the treadmill when he went downstairs and out the front door, and I didn't do it then. I didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know. But that was the last opportunity I had, and I have never touched him since. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm praying that one day uh, he will get a contact visit. He will, you uh, will be allowed a contact visit and I'll be able to, uh, to actually sit at a table and touch him again.
1: I hope that for you as well. I hope that for you oh, as well. Thank
0: you. Thank you.
1: Kent, um, I'm grateful for you sharing this story. I cannot even begin to imagine that this gets any easier no matter how long it has gone by. And so I'm grateful for you, um, letting us hear parts of your story and, I just love God more when I hear you talk about this yes. and I hope that yeah. is what our listeners are feeling as well. And so, I'm grateful.
0: Yeah, but because that's the whole story of Romans 8:28. I don't care what's happened in your life. I mean, stuff happens to all of us. But whatever it is, my life is a living proof that Romans 8:28 is true. God mm-hmm. truly will take all things, even December 10th, and he'll work them for good for those who love him and are called to his service. And that's the best news I can think of.
1: It's the best news I can think of as well. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you, Jamie. It has been such a Honor and a pleasure. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you.
1: I have as well. And Aaron said for me to tell you hello. <laughs> I texted him earlier that I was going to be okay. talking to you. And, uh, okay. and you know what I all, well, always forget, Kent, is that um, Aaron flew home to sing at Trisha and Kevin's funeral.
0: Yes. He did. Uh, I knew I wanted him there. He was such an important part of Kevin's life.
1: Yeah.
0: And Trisha loved him too. Uh, and so I, I reached out and asked him I think he was on tour. Uh <laughs> was, I don't remember yeah. if I don't remember if he was if he was working for the church yet or if he was out in y'all that bus that We lived had. in
1: Nashville we, uh, we lived in Nashville and so um that's flew right. home for that. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and I asked him if he would sing and he sang two songs and I, I go back and look at that tape every once in a while and I am just so grateful. It was it made such a difference to have him there. Oh, um, i what so an grateful honor. For The that. honor
1: was his. The honor was his. Yeah. Kent, thank you so much.
0: Blessings to all of you and this is wonderful.
1: The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell and the show is edited by Jason Talley.